Welcome to Ghoulish Tendencies. I'm Gabby. And I'm Kim. And we are two paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not so famous cases of Moida, ghosts, legends, and lore with a healthy dose of debunking. Debunking away. Debunking and a lot of allegedly's. Allegedly. Allegedly. I can't allegedly. do the allegedly as good as Kenny can Kenny do it. Kenny did it so well. I might just have to dub his allegedly on top of our allegedly's. I, I think that is necessary. Isn't that what we talked about we like, did in it. the episode? We did yeah. it on that episode. I did it on that episode. I but think I that mean, needs to just permanently just have yeah. allegedly. Allegedly. It's the allegedly button that we can press. Because, like, we're getting our, we have allegedly and we have evidence. 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 If we ever start doing Ghoulish Tendencies merch, <laughs> evidence. Allegedly. 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 Evidence. evidence. Allegedly. Evidence. Wait, no, I missed No, that, that was opposite. <laughs> that was opposite. <laughs> Damn it, Douth it. It's okay. It provides Look what you've done. great entertainment. I approve. Mm, um, I do what I can. It's for the people. It's for the people. For Speaking the people. of things for the people. Mm. Ooh. We are going to do a topic today that we have not covered in quite a while. Oh, yeah. And uh, I wanted to provide a nice warm, warm welcome. Welcome. Because when we do this type of topic, ooh, is it a good time. Can you guess what type of topic it is? Boobs. Not boobs. That was also a good time. <laughs> that was a good that, time. That was a good time. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. This one is the cryptid. <gasps> Ooh, I love a good cryptid. We do love a good cryptid. In the past, we've covered the Fresno Nightcrawler. Mm, they got good. pants, if you the will. Pants. If you remember the pants. I love the I do pants. remember the pants. Such a good time. I really wanted to be those pants for Halloween. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. That would be really funny if you and I were the pants for next year. Maybe we I'm going to let it. that be your dream. <laughs> I'm going to let myself have my own dreams. Maybe I'll have Terrence be a pair of I was of like, pants. isn't that why you have a husband to like couples, force couples, force costumes. couples costumes? You can each be a leg of the pants so that when you come together, you make a complete pair We're just going to fall immediately. Just like face plant in the pants. Face and plant? I will face pant. Oh face pant. I will be there to point and laugh at you always. And that's the kind of support we all want, everyone, isn't it? Um, you know, I'm a giver. <laughs> that's what she said. Uh, hey. Hey. But also, we have also covered the Jersey Devil. Yeah, we did. That was a good time. That was uh, a good time. And we have yet to cover some infamous topics. Things like Kim's <laughs> alleged boyfriend, Bigfoot. Oh, um, good, old, good old Bigfoot. Good old Sasquatch. You know, it's funny, though. Um, I am in a romance novel book club because, of oh. course, I am. Yes, you are. Uh, yeah. it's. Why don't we usually, ever talk about that in Creepy Critics Corner? Because <laughs> uh, I'm usually the asshole in the book club that's like, oh, my God, why? And and making fun of everything. Um <laughs> To the point where I think sometimes they're like, okay, you can you can stop now. I liked this book. I'm like, why? Why? So you scully um, romance novels is what I you're scully saying. Scully romance novels. I absolutely scully romance novels. <laughs> um, but I have proposed, because we each, we take turns picking. And so the next time I have a pick, I've discovered Bigfoot romance novels. <gasps> oh, I can't wait to hear all about that. Yeah. Very excited. Well, we're not covering Bigfoot romance novels today. Womp womp. Womp womp. Or Yetis or Mothman or oh, Bat Squatch. I really want to cover Bat Squatch one day. 
But today is not that day. Today, I'm going to introduce you to our friend, the Dover Demon. Yeah, you are. Which I would like to tell you now that my husband has called it the Ben Dover Demon all week. God. <laughs> just, just a really, really great way to start this episode. Is that that you're going to name it that, aren't you? <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but um, we're going to take it back to the 1970s. And the 1970s weren't just a prime time for serial killers, but also cryptids. Yeah, they were. The Dover Demon was actually spotted three times. And there have been some reports dated as early as 1972. And then since then, this guy's never been seen. Hasn't (gasps) been seen since. Ooh, spooky. Spooky. So. Let's set the scene, shall we? April 21st, 1977, Dover, Massachusetts, 10.32 p.m. Three 17-year-olds, Bill Bartlett, Mike Mazoka, and Andy Brody, were driving north on Farm Street. Bartlett was driving his Volkswagen about 35 to 40 miles per hour. As he saw something creeping on all fours along a low stone wall to the left side of the road. He initially thought it was a dog or a cat until his. Yeah, totally fair. Until his headlights illuminated an odd shape. The figure slowly turned its head and stared into the light, reflecting, quote, two large orange marbles and, quote, glowing for eyes. Never. I have a clarifying question. Yes. Have you ever seen headlights reflecting off of deer's eyes? Yes. Or like fox's eyes. It wasn't that because they were really big eyes. And they were When you say big, do you mean like like baseball size big or like ping pong or like like grandma what big eyes you have? Like not a light reflection of someone's tiny eyes, like big glowing eyes. I don't know. There was no definition on the size of the eyes other than big. So the only reason I, because Scully's got Scully, so oh, forgive me. That's, we haven't even gotten down to it. No, I'm just curious because it's so nonspecific and there's so many animals that my brain starts to light up on of like, well, what good. about, you know, like a wolf, which also wolf size are not tiny. That's like fair. grandmother, what big eyes you have? It's right there in Little Red Riding Hood. So I, I'm I'm curious. It's one of those times where I'm like, oh, I wish there was more. Big is not a great descriptive word. That's true. Big could be like again the size of a baseball. Big could be like the size of a ping pong, which that's pretty big for an eye. Yeah. But one is realistic to an animal, and one is oh holy crap, that's strange. And what was more strange was the rest of the body that was. Oh seen. my, do tell. So it wasn't just the eyes that we saw. Bartlett saw that this creature had a large watermelon-shaped head. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) And a thin, (laughs) tiny body with long, spindly arms and legs. Grandma? With large hands and feet. Grandma? with tendril-like fingers. Grandma! Also described by the witness as, quote, 
a baby's body with long arms and legs. End quote. Oh, grandpa. Grandpa. We found him. <laughs> that's that's, we, that's that where we landed. Light reflecting in his eyes. Yeah, it's grandpa. It's grandpa. No wonder he we're got so out short. again. <laughs> Dang. Hereditary. Uh, also, another description that was used was that it had the body of an emaciated monkey. Ooh. And Bartlett said that it had reminded him of children with distended stomachs. Oh. But was, what Whoa. was interesting was that the head only had these massive glowing orange eyes with no mouth, no ears, and no nose. Oh, interesting. So huge head. Watermelon huge head shaped. That looks like a melon. Looks like a melon. Huge. Tiny body. Distended stomach. Long spindly fingies. And a distended, yeah, distended stomach. I said that already. Dist, yes, distend, distended, distended, distended. Now the size of this thing was no more than three and a half to four feet tall, and its body was hairless and peach colored, with what seemed like rough texture. Bartlett actually described it quote like wet sandpaper. Ooh. Now pause for a second. I want to know how Bartlett saw all of these details is this quickly. Well, like, because correct me if I'm wrong. The car's driving by, right? He's driving the car. And he is they're the going 35, 35 to 40, to 40, miles, 40 an hour. miles an hour. And do they slow down? It doesn't say anything about him slowing down, but it says he sees this thing out of the corner of his eye. And at, before he can even tell his friends who are in the car, because he's not alone, right? He has his two friends in the car. Before he can even tell his friends, whoa, what was that? They drive past it. And unfortunately, <gasps> neither of the friends even saw this little baby with the big head and freaky eyes. And well, oh, I mean, before he could even register or say what it was, they passed it, and the big baby was gone. So, can I again politely scully for a yeah. moment? <laughs> We're gonna have plenty of time to scully too. But yes, by all means, go for it. The, like thinking about when you are in a car and driving by, and how I mean, think about how signs sometimes look when you see them kind of half out of the corner of your eye, and how they look kind of blurred. Mm -hmm. Like if you have anything from. I mean, have you ever seen, uh, uh, like, the hairless bears? Like, an animal that's diseased and, and has lost all of its fur? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Which looks bizarre, first yeah. of all. because like know, baby owls. They look like, like aliens. A yeah, yeah. They look kind of alien. And because they've lost all of their fur, mm. oftentimes it's hard to see distinct features, especially if you're going fast, because they do not fast. have fur. You're going fast. You're not seeing, like, an obvious snout anything. So if we're going with the most logical, like most, what is, what is the simplest explanation is that either it was some kind of animal that again, possibly diseased animals. So it was, it was maybe an odd color, didn't have fur or some human, which let's face it. I mean, we live in Seattle. We've seen people hanging out in ditches, like waving and crying and like crawling around. I mean, again, think of the proportions, though. This massive watermelon head and a tiny spindly body. But that's where I come back to the speed they were traveling at. Okay, fair. Well, do you think you might believe it more if other people saw it? 
This yes, hit me with hit me with some other okay. like I'm 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 as if this was a one off, I would be reluctant to take it at especially without more specific descriptions. Well, hold your horses, man. Okay. We gotta I'm, get to it. I'm, you know me, I get too excited. I'm I know, my that's okay. I'm glad that you're excited. So get this. So okay. at this point, they drive past it, right? His friends don't see it, he sees it, he's visibly shaken. Uh he drops his friends off. They kind of are freaked out that he's freaked out and sure. he ends up heading home. So when he gets home, his dad notices something's up and asks him, are you okay? What's wrong? And he tells his dad the story and then sketches what he saw. Okay. okay. So remember that he sketches something that sure. is witness number one. Okay. Witness number one, witness number two, the very same night, same night around midnight. Remember that okay. was like around 1030. Okay. This one, this like midnight, hour later. and a half later. Yeah. 15-year-old mm-hmm. John Baxter left his girlfriend Kathy Cronin's house at the south end of Miller High Road <laughs> and <laughs> began to walk home. Um, after walking about a mile for about 30 minutes, he saw something or someone in the distance walking toward him who seemed to be on the shorter side. But, you know, when things are far away, you can't really tell how tall something is. Yeah, that's fair. He thought it was a friend of his who lived on the same street, someone sure. named M.G. Bouchard. So he sure. called out to him, and he, but nobody responds. So he's like, that's weird. Nobody's responding. So he gets closer, and this thing, person, is walking toward him at the same time. And then all of a sudden, the figure stops. But Baxter keeps moving toward it because he wants to know who or what is this. Sure. And then the figure darts off to the left into a shallow wooded gully and up the opposite bank. So what does he do? He follows it, goes down the slope, and then Why? stops to look across the gully. <laughs> Curious sure. kid, what are you going to do? I might not have done the same thing. Just saying it's, this is a 15-year-old boy. <laughs> sure, sure. No fear. I get no it. No fear, yep. There, he sees this creature standing on its feet about 30 feet away, and its feet are molded around the top of a rock as it's standing next to a tree. So it looks like the feet are like have these long fingers grasping onto a rock. Sure. The body was described similarly, but this time it was on its hind legs. It was bipedal. The main point of difference was the shape of the creature's head. Mm. So Baxter described it as a figure eight shape. So hmm. it just had like an indentation in the middle, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. And... It did have a glowing stare with orange eyes, same mm-hmm. as before, and it was staring directly at Baxter. So he proceeds to freak out, uh, backs away slowly and, quote, walked very fast, uh, end quote, down the road to the intersection at Farm Street. And then he flags down a car, a couple in the car, pulls over, picks him up, and they drive him home. Follow-up question. Yes. He said he's about 30 feet away from it. Uh-huh. Do we know if he had a flashlight? He did not have a flashlight. <laughs> okay. Noted. I'm just, just, just remember these details. Bing. Okay. Witness number three. Okay. There's a third one. There's a third. This is the next night. The following night. Okay. 15-year-old Abby Brabham claims to have seen the creature on Springdale Avenue. It was standing upright next to a tree, she said, very similar to the second sighting the night before. Mm -hmm. Now, 
as we research things, there is constantly <laughs> conflicting information out there, right? <gasps> what? Who knew? What? What is conflicting information? Um, another source said that she wasn't alone, that she was with Will Trainter, who was 18, claimed to have seen the creature from Trainter's car on the side of the road. I wonder what they were doing. Maybe that's why it's sometimes a conflicting account. When she's talking to, like, her folks, she's like a mom and dad. I was, I was not with totally, a boy. I was by myself, so. I um, saw this creature by myself. It's much scarier by myself than if I yeah, was with a dude. <laughs> I was not in the backseat of someone's car. On the side of the road. On the side of the road. Because why would somebody, why would two teenagers be doing that? Really, this creature was her mom. It's really this is this is me after I've had a few too many, <laughs> and I'm just dancing around in the moonlight. Dancing in the moonlight, everybody. Who knew it was a sing along? It's you know, it's always a sing along. <laughs> so Brabham's description actually matched Bartlett's and Baxter's description, with exception of one detail, and that detail was the color of the creature's eyes. She mm. saw green eyes, not Ooh. orange eyes. Okay. And she approximated that its height was about the size of a goat. So if you think about goats, <laughs> maybe Sorry. her mom's a goat. I don't are we know. sure? Are we sure this wasn't the Jersey Devil making a cameo? You know, it's funny you mentioned that because we'll <gasps> oh, get <no>. into <laughs> we'll, we'll get into some uh, hypotheticals. Uh, Spoilers. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, that's okay. Uh, it technically wasn't a spoiler, but it will be a nice segue into the topic okay. of what we think it is. Okay. So later, uh, there were some investigators that we'll talk about in a moment. They mm. tried to shake up uh, Abby by pointing out that she's giving different identifiers um, of the eyes and saying that, you know, reflected by headlights, it'll mm. look a certain color, maybe reflected by different lights. It'll be sure. a different color. Yeah. No, I would, I would accept that. But either way, she sticks to her story and says, no, they were green. Like, I'm not changing my story. So she stuck to her story the whole time, even though investigators tried to get her to say it wasn't green. Which, good for her, because she saw what she saw. Uh, do we know if she had any sort of familiarity or relationship with the other two That's a boys. great question. None of them knew each other, actually. Um, okay. They, and okay. none of them even talked until investigators put them all in the same place. Sure. Okay. That's so interesting. That, that's a good point to ask. And what's really interesting, too, is that all three of them drew sketches. So Baxter mm. drew something, Bartlett mm -hmm. drew something, and Abby drew something. And okay. I have pictures to share with you, and I'll <gasps> also post them. All right. So this is Bill Bartlett's drawing. So you can see this is the first uh, image that mm -hmm. is seen. And I think what's nice about this is that it gives you... Obviously, to describe something auditorily gives you, like, you have your own visual of it. But just sure. gives you, like, this person saw this. And what I find really interesting about this is that, yeah, the head's kind of watermelon shaped, but it's also kind of figure eight shaped. Like, it has that indentation in the middle a little bit. It, it does look like an elongated skull. Yep. It does look like an elongated skull. Almost like, I don't know. I'll tell you what I think it is later. But, um... It does have just like a weird build and the fingers freak me out, man. Those are some long fingies. Mm -hmm. So that's Bill Bartlett's. I love the identifiers in Baxter's. He has to point and say, eyes glow faintly. <laughs> Silhouette. <laughs> 
feet mold to rock, hands gripping tree. So apparently this is how he saw it. And then it says, as seen by John Baxter on the morning of Friday, April 22nd at 1230 a.m. So what I'm curious about is um, what kind of moonlight could have been uh, available that night. Because looking at this picture, and we'll post it to our Instagram so that, that people can see, it's, it's, it's been drawn in shadow. Mm-hmm. It says silhouette on it too. Yeah, it's 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 the silhouette. So apparently, on uh, April twenty second of nineteen seventy seven, it was a waxing crescent moon. So that means very very little moonlight. Mm. Very little moonlight, and he did not have a flashlight. Correct. I'm just curious. If the way, especially from 30 feet away, in the dark, if shadow play could have been partially, like, the way he was seeing the fingers wrapped around the rocks and the tree, is it that they were actually elongated or he was seeing shadows providing an illusion of elongation? Sure, could have been. We don't know. We don't know. I'm just, I, I, it was... Just something that kind of came to mind looking at this specific picture. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. And I, this is why we're talking about it, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think you're ready for my favorite version. Ooh, bring it, bring it, bring it. it. Abby gets gold, a gold star for me because her drawing looks like a wiener dog. <laughs> like straight up wiener Aww. dog. But like and a then, wiener dog wearing a ghost costume. <laughs> yeah, just, just eyes. <laughs> like... It's like a jack-o'-lantern without a mouth on a wiener dog. Like, that's what it looks like to me, minus the stem. Um, but I just love how tiny the legs are. It cracks me These up. Sweet little stumpy legs. But it's also labeled a little lighter tan on the head, eyes are green, and the body is t- a tannish color. So that's those are the drawings. I think it's really interesting that all three of them drew something. And I had to think about it. I was like, is that weird that all three of them would draw something? But I'm also thinking this is 1977. People don't have camera phones. Oh, They're sure. not just going to pull something out and take a picture of it. No. So how do you portray something? You draw it, right? You draw so, it. Yeah. It's the only option you have available to you. So it makes sense. Huh. All right. All right. And now this is what I think is very funny about Bartlett's uh, sketch. He's the first mm-hmm. guy. He's the one who was driving. <laughs> so the car for like a second yeah he said he wrote on his sketch underneath the drawing quote i bill bartlett swear on a stack of bibles that i saw this creature end quote okay bill i mean i don't doubt that he saw it that that in that this is exactly what he saw what i question because i'm contractually obligated to as the scully of the group you just almost made me choke on my tea. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, like, thinking about how unreliable eyewitness accounts are of anything, of people, of, like, we get details wrong, we remember things wrong. A split second, you're seeing this. And I don't doubt that this is exactly the picture in your brain that you are seeing. Mm-hmm. I just... It, it would have happened so fast. Yeah, you're not wrong. Well, and that's the thing is that the only thing that we know here is that, well, there's more, actually. I can give you more. Um, mm-hmm. So according to the Boston Globe, 
quote, the locations of the sightings plotted on a map lay in a straight line over two miles, end quote. And all the sightings were made near water, which is interesting because then it's like, was this an aquatic animal that just got, you know, off the land, got onto the land from the water? Was it just like a huge something reptile-y that like we just don't know about? I don't know. Something, it could have been something of that nature. But there's a few interesting points to bring up. There's Mm -hmm. three sightings. They were all totally separate. All were very similar. All had drawings, right? They also all were by, like, teenagers, which is also something to note. Did, is there any possibility, like, could they have gone to the same high school? I'm sure there's a possibility of that. I couldn't find anything in relation to that, but I also didn't dig super deep on high schools, to be honest. No, sure, sure, sure. I, um, it's, I, I only think about it because, and again, I don't know exactly how big this town is either. If it's a big town, if it's a small town. It was a smaller town, but it was close to a lot of other bigger cities and towns. So okay. the other thing is is that Bartlett wouldn't stop talking about it for like the rest of his life. So like he hmm. was shaken and talking about it years later. Okay. And this is what he said, quote, in a lot of ways, it's kind of embarrassing to me. I definitely saw something. It was definitely weird. I didn't make it up. Sometimes I wish I had. He also denies that this humanoid creature could be any kind of animal and said, quote, this definitely wasn't a fox or animal. It was some kind of creature with long, thin fingers. The thing was more human-like in its form than animal. I've always tried to guess what it was. I never had any idea. I wasn't trying to be funny. Hmm. People who know me know I didn't make this up, end quote. Now, enter Lauren Coleman, Mm. a noted cryptozoologist from Maine. Nice. And he thought that all three sightings were totally credible. Now, we have Mm. to ask how credible is a person who is saying sightings are credible, right? Because, again, I I think I would 100% believe that each of them absolutely believes what they saw. That, to me, is not the same thing as what they're seeing actually being some kind of alien monster. Well, we haven't if decided that, what it is yet. If that so makes we sense. Don't know. But no, I, I, I believe that each of them believes they saw something. Sure. Well, let's get into the details, shall we? All right. So Coleman, mm-hmm. he studied anthropology and zoology at Southern Illinois University at Carbondale and did uh, psychiatric social work at the Simmons College School of Social Work in Boston. Okay. He also uh, studied uh, doctoral level anthropology at Brandeis University and sociology at the University of New Hampshire. So he did a lot of studying. He has been writing. He's still alive. He's still been writing on uh, pop culture, animal mysteries, folklore, cryptozoology, and technically is considered one of the most reputable monster hunters out there um, in the realm. Coleman was the initial investigator, the first to interview the eyewitnesses within a week of the sightings. And he was the one who named the creature the Dover Demon. So, of course, the press gets a hold of it and the name sticks. Right. So he quickly assembled and brought in uh, three other investigators. He brought in Joseph Nyman, Ed Fogg, and Walter Webb. (laughs) These names. names. Great names. Kim's favorite names. Kim's favorite names. 
All of them were well-known ufological researchers in eastern Massachusetts, and Webb was the assistant director of the Hayden Planetarium at Boston Science Museum. Okay. Okay. So, you know, pretty credible dudes. That's good. No, good credentials. So Coleman didn't feel that he was necessarily dealing with the ufological phenomenon, but he wanted to have seasoned investigators with, you know, decent interviewing skills to do a comprehensive examination on the witnesses and their families. And he wanted to involve law enforcement, educational, and community members. So this was like a big deal. Uh Coleman actually believed that the Dover demon didn't match any inexplicable sightings reported before. Things like the chupacabra, Sasquatch, aliens, Mm -hmm. bat-eared goblins from Hopkinsville, Kentucky in 1955. None of these were consistent. What about like a moose? Oh, it's does so it, Does it match a moose? <laughs> we're does it match a like a, a cow? Could it be a cow? Ooh, ooh, ooh. A real skinny cow? Yes, we're getting there. Oh, okay, so, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I love that you mentioned that. So, however, Coleman stated, quote, we have a credible case over 25 hours by individuals who saw something, end quote. To your point, they saw something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they again, saw I absolutely something. believe they saw something. I don't for a minute think that from the sound of it, any of them were making this up. For sure. Now, he also pointed out that this is not the first rodeo for weird shit happening in this area. Weird shit has been happening in this area for centuries. Quote, in the same area, you had three major legends going on, including a sighting of the devil on horseback in the 1600s, stories of buried treasure, and the Dover Demon. I think it certainly says something, Coleman concluded. It's almost as if there are certain areas that collect sightings almost in a magnetic way, end quote. Now, what does this sound like? To me, this sounds like the Bridgewater Triangle, which (gasps) we haven't talked about, I don't think. Um, Have we talked about the Bridgewater Triangle? We talked about the, was it the Bennington Triangle? We did the Bennington Triangle, but that was different. That was different. There's all kinds of triangles in the United States, yeah. The the um, Bridgewater Triangles in Massachusetts, it's actually mm-hmm. not far from Dover. It's very close to Dover. And, mm-hmm. you know, I am not going to get into the Bridgewater Triangle right now. That is its own episode in itself. Um, <laughs> but that Bridgewater Triangle features things like UFO sightings, shadow people, Bigfoot, mm-hmm. you name it, they got it. And it's just a stone's throw away from Dover. Hmm. So... That's kind of interesting that lots of weird shit happens in this area. And you remember how I mentioned in 1972 there was another sighting? Yeah. You're going to scully the crap out of this. I can't wait. So in 1972, five years before the Dover Demon sightings, Mark Sennett wrote that he saw a creature in the woods with glowing eyes in his car's headlights. Quote, we saw a small figure deep in the woods moving at the edge of a pond. We could see it moving in the headlights. We didn't know. End quote. (laughs) Scully want to scully? Beaver, opossum, squirrel, animal, fox, animal, raccoon, animal, coyote, animal. It's like your mom. I mean, like, <laughs> take your pick. There's, there, I, we saw something little in nature whose eyes glowed when light hit it. This the neighborhood is, this cat. Animal. This, this animal. Like, I, Kim's going to fall out of her chair right now. It's fine. I'll pull you back up. So, you know, this is the moment where Kim has been waiting for this just so patiently. 
that Scully has now officially entered the building. <laughs> so we're going to talk some explanations patient, here. Patient little Scully. Number one explanation. Moose. You brought it up. Meese! Meeses! Yes! So skeptics usually claim that the Dover demon was just a lost baby moose. Oh, no, In baby. unusual conditions. Oh, no, baby. Because baby animals are always weird looking, right? Especially yeah. if a moose has a really big head and it has this awkward tiny <gasps> when, leg. Because moose have that, that kind of like weird shaped head. <laughs> Especially if you're looking at it fast and in the headlights, especially, I could see the moose looking pale. But Mulder's gonna Mulder. Okay. Or Scully's gonna Scully. A Scully's gonna Scully. (laughs) This is gonna be a Scully of a Scully moment. Um, Now, people who don't believe the explanation point out that all of these sightings happened around the wrong time of year for moose that small to even exist. And that Massachusetts is actually far from regular moose habitat. Um, but what about a let's big say, deer? hold on, we're not done with moose yet. Hold okay, on. We're still moosing. We're still moosing. So even if such an orphan moose had been seen wandering so close to a populated area, it could have been very easily captured. It wouldn't disappear super quickly. And the other thing to point out, foals and moose don't stand on their hind legs ever, nor do they sit on top of walls. And... For every description of the Dover demon, they all talked about fingies, fingers, holding on to something. Yeah. But moose only have hooves. They don't have That's fingies. That's true. You know what, what does stand on its hind legs? Bears. Bears. That's beats true. Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica. Galactica. Yes. I love that we just did that in sync. That was just that warmed my heart. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, and bears... I mean, with or without fur, bears can, again, bears can get diseased and lose their fur. They look weird. Have you ever seen a diseased bear? It looks, it's like the amount of diseased, they actually think there's like that some of the, um, I think it's chupacabra sightings have actually been like diseased bears. It's redonkulous what they, what they can look like without their fur. It's, it's legitimately kind of off-putting and creepy. I guess my point on a larger scale is that Animals who are somehow deformed or diseased can look like monsters when yeah, all true. they are is a deformed. So look at looking at like this picture actually right now of a bear without its fur. It's paler. Its face looks weird. Its eyes do look big. It looks like it has hands. It does look like it could have a distended stomach. and I mean, again, I'm not saying that that's what this was, but it looks almost more human-like because you can really see all of the uh, muscles and everything when they're not covered in fur. Yeah, you're not wrong. I just looked up a hairless bear, and it's an image that I don't know I wanted to see. Nope. You're Um, welcome. You're welcome, everyone. (laughs) This is what Scully is here for. Maybe we'll post it on our Instagram and just freak everybody out, and they'll think it's an alien, but be like, nah, it's a bear. No, it's a bear. Yeah. But speaking of, there, there's a couple more points about moose that I wanted to point out. Okay. So as for the moose theory, only two moose were reported in Massachusetts in 1977 and 1978. In two years, only two were reported. Both of them were in central Massachusetts, and Dover is not in central Massachusetts. A yearling moose by that time in April would also weigh more than 600 pounds and be bigger than the Volkswagen that Bartlett was in. So that doesn't really check necessarily. Sure. What about deer, though? 
deer also don't have fingies. But no, I think but honestly, the the closest one that we were talking about, I think bear is the closest yeah. one. And there are bear in Massachusetts. There are. And there's bear in Dover. And another one was um someone thought it would have would have been a baby calf. Um which also doesn't have fingers, but in terms of appearance, you could kind of see again a similar shaped head. Fair. But I thought this was a funny quote, and this is actually from Coleman. He said to have a bipedal moose with long fingers and orange skin and no hair and no nose would be more of a phenomenon than the Dover demon. That's fair. <laughs> but also, why are we discounting the idea that this is not I mean, crap, like some drunk fraternity prank. I, I mean, you know, That's like actually some another one. So human, some people yeah. thought it was a baby calf. Um, someone said that an orange furred calf, orphan calf would be more likely than a moose in this area. Sure. Someone yeah. else said it could have been a monkey or a dog or an alien or a mutation or simply a hoax. Like Naturally. lots of different options. Choose your own adventure. Um, another explanation that it is an escaped and illegal to own pet mm-hmm. gibbon. So some species of gibbon have orange babies, uh, and the white-cheeked gibbons have an orange color in females. So, again, another animal. Mm -hmm. Now, police told the Associated Press that the creatures reported by the teenagers, quote, were probably nothing more than a school vacation hoax, end quote. However, Mm. so here's your hoax, hoax theory. The kids didn't know each other. They only met during the interviews. We don't know what high schools they went to, though. I'll say that. Some people thought <laughs> alcohol. <laughs> there were drugs involved, but Bartlett says that he and his friends were looking for beer that night, but they never drank. But do we believe that? I don't know. No, I don't necessarily go to that they were pulling a prank or, or, or they were making this hoax. I think it's more, I mean, like a, a, a human, somebody again, who had too much alcohol, somebody who didn't know any better, wandering around in the woods, like, Maybe I've been in Seattle too long, but I have certainly seen things very similar in nature when I've lived in any big city. So the idea that it, it, it was a human who was potentially nude and potentially rough-skinned, like wet sandpaper. Well, but again, looking at that first account, it was so quick. So... It, you're you're driving, you see something, but what did you really see? The second one, it was dark. He didn't have a flashlight. He saw some humanoid figure standing on a rock holding a tree. The third one looks like a dachshund in a ghost costume. Like, uh, that one I, I don't understand. But, but... I think you know she just my... didn't have the, t- the artistic talent, to be completely honest. Yeah. But either but way, it's entertaining. I, I don't... I think that they very much saw what they saw. I just feel like as much as I love the idea of thinking it was some kind of alien monster, which I do, I feel like it's more likely there was a very rational explanation for what was seen and that what they saw and that they're very sure they saw it. They did see. It's just what they saw was not what they thought they saw. But damn it, I want to believe. I want to believe too because it's more fun. Mulder is going to come in and take it away now. So enter okay. Mulder. Okay. Hello. I'm in here. Mulder. You are here. So immediately I thought it was an alien and I am not alone. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> early ufologists first promoted uh, speculation that the creature was an alien or some sort of mutant hybrid, perhaps one created as a result of a human experiment and escaped. I want to read that story. 
I can I just can I just throw out there? How is this a more rational explanation than an off-season moose baby? <laughs> I mean, how I didn't this? say it was rational. <laughs> I just said it was moldering. Okay, okay. I'm just, I'm like, if people are like, no, there's no way it could be a moose baby. First of all, it was the wrong time of year for moose babies. And second of all, there was only a couple mooses in this area. It's much more logical to think that it's an alien mutant. Really, it depends on who you're talking to, right? Truly Sorry. depends on who you talk no, to. No, it does. It does. It I does. just want to believe. So I'm going to go I down know. this I just, rabbit hole. I just love, I love the logic of that. Well, here's the thing. Like, you have to remember that, like, there were the greys, right? The, the gray, the alien greys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, air, air quotes. But these were orange. <laughs> so it had been speculated by various ufologists that the Dover demon was actually a gray due to its similar appearance. Just more peachy. So, um. <laughs> like a human? I don't know. Honestly, it makes me think like it could have been another species of alien that's a different skin type. I don't know. We have people from different cultures with different skin colors on Earth. Why not have them in, you know, outer space? Who knows? Kim's losing it. She can't keep it together. Absolutely love. I mean, like, I'm not even. I'm not BSing you. I really do love that. That this is is a more like feasible explanation. <laughs> I didn't even say it was a more feasible explanation. I just said we're moldering. That's all I said. So others actually theorize that it is actually a being from another dimension, accidentally transferred into our world through a dimensional warp. Sure. That could be cool. Yeah. <laughs> Some people. Now, this one's really interesting, and I kind of want to believe in this, but I feel like it's a bit of a stretch. Some people think that this actually relates to poltergeist activity since all the people who experienced it were teenagers. So if we go back to like poltergeist experiences and like things flying off shelves and ghosts happening to young people that are manifesting their energy and causing something to happen again a stretch i said stretch <laughs> no that that's that could be reality some consider this creature to be something uh with a strong field of spiritual energy that naturally connects with the young of course now, this reflects a reoccurring theme in cryptozoology. I didn't know about it, but I read about it, uh, that one of many entities only witnessed by people in the same age group sometimes happens. Mm -hmm. um, so it falls into that category. But it also, <laughs> now we're going to get into comparisons of other things. An unfortunate comparison was made to the Owlman incidents, <laughs> but um, skeptics rightfully point to the Owlman episodes having elements of pagan prankishness. Uh, when that happened in uh, Britain. So there was that. Sure. Now, the Dover Demon is also similar to the Manigishi creature, which Ooh, I know yes. you mentioned previously before we got into this. Um, the Manigishi, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, is native to the Cree Native Americans mm -hmm. in Canada mm -hmm. in the mythology there. And it's described as semi-humanoid, being uh -huh. sex-dactic, 
humans mm-hmm. with very mm-hmm. thin and lanky arms and legs with big heads without a nose. And they were considered tricksters who crawled mm-hmm. out of rocks and would capsize canoes of people canoeing through the rapids and then would drown them. Which this was near. This is. In oh, Canada. no, wait. That, what, no, but I was thinking about it was the it was the the earlier one that it was near a lake. Yeah, well, they were all reported near water. So I don't know why my Mulder really likes the idea of like, th- like this. I'm like, yeah, totally. This is 100% what it must have been. That's where my Mulder goes. Well, because- I, honestly, this is the one that's the closest description to it. I think yeah. nobody talked about this because they probably didn't know about it, to be honest. I think this is one that's like a little bit more of like a, d- a deep cut. It's no, it it is a deep cut. If you're not familiar with um, some of the the mythology of some of the indigenous people, I mean, the only reason I remember this crossing my radar is again, I was obsessed with cryptozoology when I was a kid, and I spent a lot of time in Canada. <laughs> That'll do it. Um, but but this is one that I've always been like, if if I have to pick an actual like kind of creature. That's not, we're not going rational. We're going, all right, let's embrace the creature. This to me fits it so well. You're not wrong. I would agree with you there. Um, Now, cryptozoologist Mark A. Hall will link the Dover demon to other sightings of aquatic beings around the world that are Mm. often lumped into the name, quote, mer-beings. I don't know how I feel about that one. Like Like, like a a manatee? Like a manatee? Sure. Manatees? Um, it's a manatee with skinny legs and tiny fingies. It's, it's, it's no the, tail. You know, it made a deal with a sea witch to become an emaciated monkey, to become an emaciated monkey and give up its voice to have, but he still kept the manatee head. Well, he just wanted the legs. It was a manatee that wanted legs. What's so unusual about that? I want to be where the people are. <laughs> I, I want a manatee. When a manatee dancing, dancing. <laughs> now, another theory, uh, I cannot support this one at all. Wow, um, if you can't support it, it's got to be out there. <laughs> it's linked to the X-Files, which is very funny. So I know I wasn't going to talk about it, but I watched the episode. So damn it, I'm going to talk about nope, it. Nope, then, then you must. Season five, episode four, it's called Detour. This is an episode where... Um, there's like some kind of tree being that looks like nature and has red glowing eyes. And Wait, like, it looks like nature. Like it looks like it blends into actual nature. It blends oh, okay. into the trees. So okay, like you see sense. the shape of a face in a tree and then its eyes open and it pops out of the tree and attacks people. Cool. So like it's, I could see how they would be inspired by a Dover demon story for that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it like attacks people and kills them. And like, so they reference in this episode Ponce de Leon's Fountain of Youth in Florida, um, uh-huh. and they theorize at the end of the episode, and if you haven't seen it, that's your fault. This came out in the 90s. You should have seen it by now. I don't care if I'm spoiling anything for you. <laughs> but, like, they literally reference that the dude that was the tree guy uh-huh. was... Ponce de Leon and that his fountain of youth turned him into a tree person that killed people like they well, insinuate that in the show which is true. just like 
such a wild stretch and has absolutely nothing to do with the Dover Demon. So when I was looking up stuff about X-Files and Dover Demon, this was the closest episode about it. And the only similarity is glowing eyes. That's it. It's not even in Massachusetts. It's in Florida. So I'm going to say no to that one. Um, Great for inspiration. Artistic license. Yes, exactly. Now, but to go back to Coleman, let's go back to our friend Coleman, the cryptozoologist. Okay. He pointed out that all the witnesses had separate experiences, didn't talk to each other before the investigators interviewed them, and did not necessarily agree on exact descriptive details of the sighting. No conclusive evidence has actually been found for the existence or lack thereof of the Dover Demon. Since the Dover Demon was only seen over a two-night period, it's probably not a natural or naturally occurring species like Bigfoot is claimed to be. Sure. And Coleman said, quote, it's extremely unique. It has no real connections to any other inexplicable phenomena. In 2006, the Boston Globe wrote an article on the then 46-year-old painter Bartlett and how his experiences hmm. still haunt him. Huh. Got a bunch of quotes for you here, but they're very entertaining, so I have to read them all to you. Okay. Quote, once his wife, Gwen, browsing the horror section of a bookstore, flipped open an encyclopedia of monsters, and there was an entry about her husband and the Dover Demon, end quote. Lol. I thought that was funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thing that's been following me for years, Bartlett said. Not the creature, the story. Sometimes I dread every Halloween getting calls about it. It was my 15 minutes of fame without wanting it. It was a little embarrassing. It still is, end quote. He said he hadn't talked much about it to his two children. In 2006, they were eight and five years old, so do the math. Uh, And he never told them about the creature. He said, I don't want to scare them. And the professional artist said that he has never drawn an image of this Dover demon since that sketch. He doesn't have enough memory of it. Apparently, he hasn't wanted to draw it. I like this part. I haven't wanted to. I'm a serious fine arts painter. I don't want people thinking I'm some freak. (laughs) And then he says, I don't usually tell anybody. I shouldn't be embarrassed, but you see these people on TV and they're made to look like idiots. I really do wish that I'd made it up. I might have profited from it. It's a great story. I wish it was seen again so everyone would know it's true. In this article, Carl Sheridan was a former police chief. He said, quote, that thing has haunted me for 29 years. I knew the kids involved. They were good kids, pretty reliable kids. God only knows what they saw, Sheridan said. I still don't know. Strange things have happened. The whole thing was unusual. But whatever the reality behind these odd occurrences, the Dover Demon has become quite popular. It spoke, sparked what you would call a cultural phenomenon. Um, there are actually video games about it. And, uh, of course, the Japanese made some really cool alien-like figurines uh, of the Dover Demon. So I just want to collect those because that sounds cool. Um, and at the end of the day, you mentioned it, Kim. They saw something. What did they see? Mm-hmm. Coleman said, it's okay to say we don't know. I think the Dover Demon's mystery lives on. It's an unknown phenomenon whose fame has stretched worldwide, and I think Dover should be very proud. End quote. Alas, we leave it up to you, ghouls. <laughs> Kim, <laughs> you, what do you think? What, what, ultimately, I know you mentioned bear. I know you mentioned... 
I, couple other options. Where, where are you at now? Where do you stand? I, I have the utmost respect for for people wanting to make this supernatural of some kind. If it's a cryptid, if it's a I don't know alien or something from another dimension. This one for me is hard to the evidence. Evidence for me is not compelling enough to go in that direction. I need more specific details. I need, uh, again, I, I very much believe all of them saw something. Yeah. I, I do not doubt for a minute when they say, no, I swear in a stack of Bibles or whatever, I saw this thing. Yeah, no, I absolutely think you saw something. Mm-hmm. I, I question whether or not what you saw was actually a monster and if it wasn't something, like, again, an animal of some kind, maybe a person. Um, Grandpa. Uh, maybe grandpa. I, I would actually honestly be curious to drive down that road at that speed to get an idea of how things look. And at night when there is, again, presumably no street lights because this is a fairly small town and this mm-hmm. was not like a downtown road. No. So I would be curious to kind of recreate this to put someone on the side of the road and drive down this road at 35 to 40 miles an hour at night and see what we see. You're describing an episode of Mythbusters. Listen, that is basically... (laughs) I mean, well, no, but you know what I mean? Because I, I feel like that gives... And then, and and similarly to to walk in the area at night and and without a flashlight, with very little moonlight, and be able to say from thirty feet away what it is I think I'm seeing because I feel like you could blind put up a person, a bear, and maybe like a life size cutout of an alien, and somebody'd be hard pressed to tell the difference between them from thirty feet away. 30 feet away in the dark. All valid points. Scully. Great. Scully's got a Scully. Great Scully points. Now that you uh, mentioned it, it makes me want to say that the Manigishi is real. And oh, I would, this is I a would legit 100% be behind the Manigishi being real. That, I'm like, yeah. That's that's fine. I'm there for that. Sounds like the Manigishi just went on a little road trip, got lost. Road trip. Yeah. Came into Massachusetts and then was like, oh, shoot, people saw me. I got to go back. They wanted some chowder. <laughs> got the chowder, went home. Got the chowder, went home. Well, anyway, our listeners can determine what they think of the Dover demon, or as Terrence calls it, the Ben Dover demon. Um, just had to give it a nice little sandwich, beginning and end, <laughs> book bookend right. that one, uh, oh, pun yeah. intended. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's the Dover demon for you. And this brings us to... Creepy Critics Corner! Creepy Critics Corner! Kim, what you watching? Uh, I've watched quite a bit lately because I was doing some end-of-year watching for for end-of-year City of Geek top ten lists. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went and saw... The Tragedy of Macbeth. Oh, yeah. How was it? Oh, it was phenomenal. Uh, It was so interesting. Like, all of the choices made, the acting was just stunning. 
the cinematography, oh, like, I may have spontaneously orgasmed at times just watching <laughs> some of the cinematography. Um, there's this, these beautiful shots, too, where they, the way they show the witches, and you first see her as Macbeth and Banquo are seeing her, seeing the witches, mm-hmm. and they see one single, because this one woman played all three witches, because it was nice. really... And you see her standing there and the reflection in the water of two of her. Oh, cool. So you see these three and the three then keep kind of changing. It it was, it was, my mind was blown. And I would go as far as to say, even if you are not a Shakespeare person, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but I'm a Shakespeare person. Yes, you are. Uh, I did my post-grad work in Shakespeare. So it is, it is my jam. Um, Even if you're not a Shakespeare person, it's it's a pretty brisk. It's it's 105 minutes. Oh, that's and fast. So, that's short. And I mean, this is his shortest tragedy. That's but true. But it's been very much made user friendly. Like uh, you could easily see this with somebody who was not a Shakespeare person. They would have no trouble following. Um, the language just rolls. It all flows. It is it is worth seeing. It is it is really I think a stunning stunning movie. Nice. Uh, and then I watched a movie called um, Censor, mm. which is a British horror film. It's streaming currently on uh, Shudder. And it's really interesting. It it takes place in the mid-80s, and this is kind of the height of all of the, the video nasties. Mm-hmm. And the main character is she works for the, the you know, film rating humans as a censor. Um, and, and their whole thing is, you know, they watch these movies and, and recommend whether or not stuff should be cut, whether or not a film should be banned. And you, you slowly start to kind of learn that she had a sister who disappeared when she was young. Mm -hmm. And she, kind of starts to unravel a little bit and she watches this movie where she's convinced that the lead actress in it is her sister and her sister is being held hostage and like forced to make these horrible gruesome horror films so dang and it it was just really interesting like it it kind of hit on on everything it's very psychological it's very for his is bloody as it could be at times it was very like i don't know classy <laughs> bloody classy i don't know classy. um but it, it's really really interesting and if you're a fan of like a good psychological horror film mm-hmm. then this is this is one to absolutely check out nice what have you been watching i've been watching shows i haven't watched movies lately uh, there's nothing wrong um, with a good shoe Good shoe. Uh, but I watched a ton of stuff because last week we were snowed in. Mm, so I watched mm-hmm. three seasons of Insecure on HBO. Good Lord. Okay. Um, fantastic show. I freaking. I've never it. Oh, it's so good. Issa Rae is fantastic. Um, I remember watching seasons one and like part of season two, like maybe like halfway through season two when they first came out years ago. And Mm -hmm. I love them. And I had no idea that we're already on season five. And I was like, oh, shoot. Like I just put it down and never went back to it. Um, Not for any reason, just because I do that with literally everything. Um, But I committed and I watched 
two and a half seasons in two days. Uh, that's how my week was. Um, nice. So just really binged the crap out of it. Um, it's a wonderful show about a young black girl that lives in Los Angeles and her friends and family and dating and life and it's not sugar-coated at all it's very realistic mm. um it talks about racism um it talks about people who are a little bit more privileged than others acting like they are not but are there are a lot of relevant things that happen in that show that really have a seamless flow into the narrative where it doesn't feel slow ever and leaves you wanting to watch the whole thing like from beginning to end and my favorite piece about it is there's four girls that are friends in it and it kind of shows them growing up into adulthood and how they bond and how they fight and how they make up and just like it's very real like it's it's not um it's how people actually communicate and get along or don't and it it's really easy to identify with in that sense. Um, but it's, it's a really great show from the perspective of someone probably in like late twenties, early thirties. Um, really, 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 really well done. Loved it. It was fantastic. Highly recommend. Um, there's also a Witcher. Witcher just came out with a new season. So Terrence and I started watching that. It is the Witcher. Like, honestly, I can't, I can't explain it any further. Um, it doesn't jump back and forth from time the way the other season did. So it's a little more linear and easier to follow. Um, I think it's great so far, but we've only seen like two episodes. So I can't really speak too much to that. And then what I've been binging in the last two days is the new season of Queer Eye, because that show makes me cry like a child. And I think it's so <laughs> wonderful. And it is very funny, but also so heartwarming. And mm. I just truly truly enjoy it nice yeah i've been watching a lot of like feel good but also not feel good things it's weird it's a weird combination that's fair well thank you guys so much for listening um hope you enjoyed that fun topic of cryptid since we haven't done one in a while um and we look forward to doing more fun cryptid topics in the future So if you like what we do, um, check us out on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and a review. And fun fact, Spotify now has ratings. So if you listen to us on Spotify, head on over to Spotify, give us a rating, please. Um, We very much would appreciate that. They don't have an opportunity to do a review, but if you would like an opportunity to do a review on Spotify, write them, let them know. The more people they hear from them, I'm sure they'll incorporate that at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, Also... We have a Patreon. If you would like to financially support us, head on over to uh, Ghoulish Tendencies podcast on Patreon and get some fun bloops in the process. Uh, We also have our website, which is ghoulishtendencies.com. All of our show notes, all of our social medias are on there as well. And, uh, you know, the, the regular deal, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of it, it's on there. So having said that, thank you for listening and stay.